Hey, alright, this is Ken Crisp, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brendan Kelly. Brendan, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? Man, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing quite well today. Uh, the dogs had a total of 12 teeth pulled yesterday, so everybody's a little zonked out in the living room right now. That's awesome. Did they, do they have like a pain medication that, that they're given for that? They do, and those dogs are loopy. I guess the stuff's like stronger than morphine, and you can tell. Well, you know, um, if you were this kind of person, Tim, you could take those too. I am that kind of person. <laughs> do you, you Maybe I will. <laughs> you you absolutely can. Um, uh, you know, I, I remember like the first time the Menzingers ever went to Europe. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus here, but, they, they you know, uh, Toby was like, because they were still a Red Scare band at the time. And we uh-huh. were like, and they were like, we've never, you know done flights like this and we were just like well you gotta you know just if you have some xanax you just take some xanax and you know you'll sleep your way through and then you'll wake up and it's like a short sleep but it'll really help your jet lag if you can Mm -hmm. you know take a few xanax and sleep that eight hours it it will do wonders for you being able to readjust over there because that's the hard direction to try in terms of jet lag and they were like well we've got some dog xanax and we were just like (laughs) Uh, and, and we just mercilessly mocked that whole thing until somebody wisely pointed out that that's just Xanax. It's just, <laughs> it, it comes from a vet. Yeah. It's not like they have a dog version of Xanax. They're like, we're all mammals. We like operate on the same system. Uh-huh. So like any Xanax, it's the same Xanax. So any pain pills that your dogs take are pain pills that you could take as well. Um, well, I guess this, I should I, hide them then. I say this as a doctor. Um, <laughs> anyone out there listening, uh, if, if your dog, yeah, you know, my, my dogs have congestive heart failure and I'm popping their heart pills all the time. And I, you know, look at me, <laughs> still got blood everywhere. Um, can't recommend it highly enough. Well, it's good to it's good to uh, hear you a little bit more back to form after last week, after uh, opening the episode with, I think, a very real take on some of the uh, postpartum depression that comes from releasing an album when you're not able to tour. I was listening back and I was like, oh, Brendan, oh, I just want to hug you through this podcast. Uh, well, that's really <laughs> sweet. And you know what? People have been so nice on the record has been well received and now that it's like sort of like the the pomp and circumstance of it have like died down a little bit now it's just another record that exists and now i just feel like i'm i'm back to being me a guy in this band and this Mm -hmm. is just another part of our catalog and um it's one of seven records that i can't tour on so it's kind of you know i i I didn't realize how how aware i was of the first six not being able to tour on those so Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) you know turns out one more you had a few days of being like oh woe is me and then it's like "Hmm." okay so maybe another podcast that would be cool (laughs) not that this isn't great well we hope that all of you out there listening have purchased the album uh, along with 
uh, hitting all the streaming services. Don't forget about that part of it. The record's available on a link that is right in the episode notes of this very podcast. Or you could just go to Epitaph, epitaph.com, order the record there. And yeah, also, this is our podcast, and we hope that you are uh, subscribed to it if you haven't already, and that you've given us a five star rating on apple podcasts um and then we we, we got this other thing it's a patreon it's uh patreon patreon.com slash better sandwich over there we just like hang out with uh some of my favorite friends and then brendan uh hangs out along with us uh this week called up my buddy sam russo from suffolk england yeah, man. Uh, well, he's, well, I guess he's from Suffolk, but he's, you know, he's a Haverhill representer, mm-hmm. you know, um, specifically. You and, were paying uh, attention yeah, during the interview yesterday. Yeah, yeah, no, I learned a lot from you guys. Um, <laughs> he, uh, Sam is so great. And like that Back to the Party record is up there. I mean, the the records that have come out this year, um, you know, like, I don't I don't have my like ear to the ground like I used to so it's like really just the stuff that you know like my friends put out and stuff like that but I really I mean it's really one of my top contenders for the album of the year as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned I think Back to the Party is an amazing record and Sam is just such a fascinating guy and he's got such a cool worldview and he's just he comes from such a inter- just an interesting perspective all around and I thought the conversation was really really fun um yesterday super Uh, fun so um yeah if you guys um are interested in that kind of thing we we talked to we talked to a lot of good people over there sam russo just being the most recent um and uh yeah check it out if you're so inclined it would help uh you know artists like us continue to do things like this um, so. <laughs> patreon.com slash better sandwich also if you're looking for a podcast to listen to this week other than this one life's work podcast about laura stevenson's sit resist episode two came out on wednesday jeff rosenstock was on this week talked a lot about ska and i unfortunately Although I tried quite hard, my original copy did mention slapstick in the co- in a conversation that was trying to uh, reinforce what Jeff said about ska and ska music and how it is seen from an outside perspective. I had this bit that said, "Name me a cool Wicker Park band from 1995 that was saying the shit that slapstick was saying." But I had to edit it out, so you know how it is. Right, no, I do, because he was probably like, uh, the ponies? Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about the ponies. I, like, I just know that they're from Wicker Park and around that time. Um, but I, I don't know if they're, they, they might be the best band in the world. I have no idea. They are. Oh, well, that's good to know. Um, just kidding. The best band in the world right now, same as the best band in the world 20 years ago, it's the Lawrence Arms. Goddamn right. Goddamn right. So we started to talk about Skeleton Coast, and we're going to continue to talk about Skeleton Coast this week and probably the week after that. But you did bring up an interesting point 
Brendan, when you talked about getting to a a point with this record where it kind of files in the same with all the rest. I guess as somebody who has had records who have come out and really taken a lot of time to be discovered or looked at through different lens, has that do you think that's um something that you keep in mind when you put something like this out obviously drawing a parallel to greatest story ever told and skeleton coast is kind of off from the start because the reception to skeleton coast was so positive right away yeah you know the thing is the the okay so there's there's two parts to this i think um number one is that I'm always wary of anything that anybody just like fucking loves right off the bat mm-hmm. um, because there, there is a question of how much like staying power that will have. Right. Um, with the Skeleton Coast being a record that I think is like true to our catalog um, and us being such an established band at this point, it does not feel nearly as much like that's uh, an issue, right? It's like, mm-hmm. like, but, but like when you like first, um, God, I don't want to say any band's names cause it's not very nice to do that kind of thing. But like, I remember seeing this one band that I had never heard of before. And, uh, I bought their record and I was like, this record's fucking amazing. The first time I heard it, I was like, this shit smokes. And right around the same time I got, um, Fugazi, um, the first demo. It was before mm-hmm. they compiled it together and made a 13 song. Not the first demo, the first cassette, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And I was like, oh, this is okay. You know, um, two weeks later, I'm like, that first record's total dog shit. And this Fugazi record's awesome. Yeah. You know, some stuff, some stuff that like hits you really fast, it's like a sugar rush. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. a lot of that like pop punk stuff from, the 90s, and I mean, I'm referring to a pop punk band from the 90s, uh, uh, was um, was really instantly digestible, but not a lot like, you know, it's like, fuck it. It's like birthday cake for breakfast or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. that sounds great once, but you start doing that every day. And then it's like, I'm tired of this, mm-hmm. um, you know, so so. I, I'm not I'm not so hyper concerned with the early good response being an indicator of this being um, a uh, birthday cake mm-hmm. for breakfast kind of record because of because because people kind of know what they're getting into a little bit and I think if anything the expectations are very very low for us right now yeah uh, they were you know coming into this I think a lot of people were like uh, do we really need another record mm-hmm. by this band uh, you know and um, so, but I also am a firm believer that, um, you know, it's like when I put out those Wandering Birds albums, it's like, it's like the, the you know, the tagline, uh, the unofficial tagline of uh, the Keep Walking Power record was uh, everybody's favorite mm-hmm. record of 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's like, I believe that history will redeem uh, just genuine songwriting where that's at the forefront beyond like any sort of like, gimmickry or whatever and that's sort of what we thrive for i think in the lawrence arms organization and like any, sort of anything i do it's like that's why we write our yeah. songs on acoustic guitars you know if 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 i can write a song on an acoustic guitar and send a demo 
of a song like fucking from this record, like How to Rot. If I can send the acoustic demo of that song to Chris and Neil and they can go, oh, that song's cool. They're, there must mean there's something. Yeah, there. that's an interesting you know concept because I, mean? I there was a form of a quest of that question asked on Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. Um we've got a few of those that we're gonna try and go through today, but someone asked, you know, um if if there was like an intentionality in making those songs so that they could be both good for acoustic and for the Lawrence Arms, but it seems like what it is is that being good on acoustic with just you is kind of the first pass of the smell test. That is exactly, exactly right. It's like, if I can't make the song sound cool on an acoustic demo, Mm -hmm. the songwriting's not there, you know? And, and like, and that's just, um, uh, that's always been, like, yeah, like my litmus test of like, if something, you know, like I've never sent anything to Chris or Neil and been like, I know this sounds like shit now, but just imagine what will happen mm-hmm. if we get in the studio. Like that just, and Chris has never sent me anything like that either, by the way. I mean, like, uh, it's just not the way we function. Like, you know, um, Chris and I work with very simple chords, we work with very simple melodies. We both work with like the voices we have, um, which are, I think each in their own way, interesting and each in their own way, Mm -hmm. limited. Right. Um, so we are in like a bit of a box when it comes to how we create. So we're, it's like, okay, we've got maybe six chords in our fucking bandolier here and we can hit these specific notes in these specific keys, you know? So, the songwriting has to be the thing that we focus on, right? It has to be lyrical. It has to be melodic. We have to figure out how to make a great melody out of the notes we can hit. We have to figure out how to make a great melody over these same chords. Again, that's not completely reductive, you know? And, and that is, that's the attempt. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we do, um, you know, I, 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 it's so funny. We sent, when we were sending all these songs back and forth to each other, I was like, I kind of feel like all my songs sound the same. And Chris is like, I don't think your songs sound the same at all. I feel like all uh-huh. my songs sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and, um, I think we're both right. Um, about both of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's like, uh, um, uh, cause I don't think, I don't think all Chris's songs sound the same. I understand why he says that, but I mean, and mm-hmm. I understand why I say that as well. And I've, I've seen, I've seen um, things online that are like, these songs just sound the same. I don't understand like why they needed to do this record. And it's like, good, good. Um, I, if everybody loved this, then it would be a birthday cake for breakfast yeah. album. If nobody cared, that would be even mm-hmm. worse. But if most people hear what we're trying to do and there's a vocal handful of people that are like this fucking sucks it's like (laughs) perfect that is the sweet spot and i i don't even mean that in like a sort of like trolling like come on haters bring it on kind of way it's like the idea is to evoke a response and that response you know is 
is one is a very mm-hmm. powerful and valid response. You know, so so I, and you know if if you're listening to this and you fucking hate the record, um, well, so it's 2022, 23, 24. Uh, your favorite record, twenty twenty four. Here it is, Skeleton Coast. <laughs> well, one of the things that I think is pretty interesting, and we had a lot of questions about this one too, is like the um, you know, the use of uh different instrumentations uh we have a lot more chris guitar solos on this record and i think what that's indicative of is that you have space that you're utilizing a little bit differently and i think that you can do what you can to make sure that your you know your chord changes don't go in the same directions that you kind of instinctively go um but really there's so much to be said about the the space that is utilized on this record where chris is like shredding on songs like demon and it's like yeah that's totally different from what they would have done in the past yeah and there is a i think the the shreddiness thing that kind of started with the Oak Alcutta mm-hmm. record where when we were putting that record together, I remember specifically I my Chris always had has had like very specific lead ideas for his songs. And uh, and this record's really the first time where I think because of our distance from each other and like the way we were putting this together and just the, the timing um, this was like the first time I think, I mean, I could be wrong that he really mapped out what he was going to do mm-hmm. on my songs as well. You know, like back in like when we did Oh Calcutta, I remember he had all his leads and stuff for his songs planned out. And when we were doing, um, the one point I remember is in, uh, Devil's Taken Names where I was like, that little space right there, do like a shreddy guitar. Mm-hmm. So let's fill this up with like little like bad religion shreddy like riffs. So like that was like the germ of where I think Chris started becoming a real shredder. And I'm not saying that I, it, w- it was not like my right. influence. It was a mm-hmm. hive mind thing based on like the concept behind that record, which very much involved um, doing like putting the, album into our like collection from mm-hmm. when we were 16 yeah. that wasn't there you know that was that was the mission statement behind o Calcutta. it's like what's the record that wasn't in our collection that mm-hmm. we never heard we want to make that that's that's what mm-hmm. o Calcutta's mission statement was we said that before we wrote Fuck a single yeah. song right and um and so obviously stuff like bad religion uh-huh. will play a huge role in that Fast forward to right before we do Skeleton Coast, we're on yeah. tour with Bad Religion. We're watching fucking Brian Baker shred every fucking day, and it's awe-inspiring. I mean, like, and the other dude too, uh, Mike. Uh, he, um, uh, I am pausing here so you can please name check me with that because I'm not positive his name is Mike. I'm okay. almost positive his name is Mike. Okay. Is equally uh-huh. as good of a shredder as Brian, and and it is 
it, it, it's crazy. Like sometimes you're watching and you're like, oh, Brian is killing it. And then Brian's just kind of like strumming. And you're like, no fucking way. Like mm-hmm. how, how save some fucking talent for the rest of us <laughs> dudes, you know? And so like to be on tour with bad religion, to watch these two just consummate shredders. And this being, you know, me and Chris's first real like big concert was, well, I think we went and saw the dead milkman first, but then we saw the bad religion at Medusa's on mm-hmm. the against the grain tour. Um, and I mean that guitar solo, um, in modern man, yeah. which opens up against the grain. Chris started playing that as like a warm up to get his tone um, on the Red City Radio uh-huh. tour that we did before that. So he was already tuning into this like, like we we are going to shred uh-huh. kind of thing, you know, or I'm going to shred, you know. He he, yeah. I being Chris in this case. Um, and, and you could just see it sort of building. And then we're on tour with Bad Religion and we're watching this every day. And I mean, and it's, I, I know I just said this, but it's mm-hmm. just awe inspiring mm-hmm. to watch those guys play. And, you know, and me and Chris would stand there and be like, and Neil too, obviously. Um, you know, and then it's like they're, but I mean, <laughs> their drummer is just ridiculously good <laughs> at this point. It's that guy yeah. from Trail of the Dead, uh, Jamie. And he is like, I'm just, I'm like, is there a guy in this band that's not the literal best at what they do? Like, I think it's actually like they're 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 like a fantasy football team, but for punk. Uh, and that. so, uh, and and so when we went into the studio, I guess, and it was like, okay, I'm gonna put down um, like a guitar part at the end of Demon, and then he does that, and I just remember being like, <laughs> what? You gotta be kidding me. Holy shit, dude. You know, and and Matt Allison was like, Yeah, this part right here, I mm-hmm. didn't know what that is. What is that? You know, and, and and I have the original video of the take that's on the record. Like I was cause Chris like did a pass. He was like, I'm gonna try to do something like this. And I was like, Wow. And so I took a video so I could record him actually, and I have it on my phone. And it's crazy because he's like Kind of staring off into space a little bit, you know, and I know what it's like to mm-hmm. like be channeling something and, you know, just like kind of feel it and you just kind of like look off and whatever. But it really kind of looks like he's just kind of mowing the lawn, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> like, and I mean, I, which is not to say that's what he's doing at all. It's just so funny. Like, you know, you see the videos of like, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Herman Lee mm-hmm. from Dragon Force in the studio. And he's like doing those like crazy shredding solos. And like he's in the studio and he's like pulling the guitar behind his head. Yeah. And, which is hilarious. This was not that. This was the opposite. I think like that. watching Jay Mascus just go whenever I watch Dinosaur Jr. Whenever I'm going to see Dinosaur Jr. Where he's just like so un disturbed unmoved by what he's playing but he's just there he's just riding it it's incredible you know i can't remember who it was but i had a friend who did a huge piece 
on Jay Maskus specifically, and I mean, maybe it was Dinosaur Jr., maybe it was like a solo thing or something, but it was for like Spin or Rolling Stone. Uh-huh. This was a journalist. Um, and I, it really irks me that I can't remember who it is, and I am not going to be able to. I can just tell. It's not in my brain. But they, um, they went over to Jay's house and rang the doorbell, and he answers the door, guitar around his neck, just noodling. And he's like, yeah, come in. And I guess the guy, whoever, or the woman, I can't remember who it was at all, but spent like something like four hours there. And the entire time, yeah. Jay never stopped playing the guitar. That was just, and I, I've always thought that was a pretty fascinating thing. And right, how right. do you, I mean, I guess you got to be fucking weird. Uh, just ask Lou Barlow. <laughs> which, There's, uh, yeah. Lou did a, uh, Marin podcast and he told a story of like riding in Europe and Jay was in the back and it was like a four hour car trip and he picked up a guitar and just started started soloing and he didn't stop the entire time so it's it's I guess good to know that that just happens everywhere at this point yeah I think I think that's consistently right. weird to go to restaurants yeah. with him uh, but <laughs> yeah. um, do you think like it's funny because I thought of like you know the CC Devilles of uh your youth and other like uh metal influences or like um you know big pop uh guitar players that might have like been there as like a an under undercurrent of uh Chris is playing throughout the entire time and it's like now it is like he's expanding on like the bad religion model but it's also like the hair metal thing too right well yeah and I think um you know obviously this is a better question for Chris than for me but like we did grow up together and I think we do share enough of the same influences that I feel comfortable at least addressing mm-hmm. this what you know um chris chris clearly draws from a lot of influences that have nothing to do with punk rock and nothing to do with like f- frankly like when he told me that uh the driving at night thing uh in uh pigeons and spies was inspired by solange i was like yeah. oh, okay i've never heard the song you're talking about but that is whatever whatever it takes you know and uh but that hair metal stuff was always cool to us. And I mean, like, we would always sit there and fuck with, uh, like, you know, C.C. DeVille versus, uh, what's his name, uh, Snake mm-hmm. Sabo uh, from Skid Row. And, like, you know, and I think we thought that those dudes, while they were, like, I mean, uh, C.C. was so fast. His fingers mm-hmm. were so fast. But what really turned us on was like Slash, you know, and the way that his guitar and very, very similar to um, uh, Bad Religion in terms of like that, just like overdriven, not too complicated um, distortion, but very messy and like just really like sort of like wallowing in that just messy morass of bends and like quick pick work and, and then like finger work around Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I think slash from that era was a huge influence. And also there is a guitar solo in the song treason Mm -hmm. by naked ray gun, 
and it yeah. is like two notes. And Chris and I, like, I remember the first time we heard it, we were sitting. I mean, like, we 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 grew up on Raygun. We both had like eight naked Raygun shirts because we went to every show that they played mm-hmm. in Chicago, and like. So many days we'd show up and it would be like, oh, look, we're both wearing the same naked Raygun shirt for the third day in a yeah. row, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, but the, the first time we heard that solo, it is, it's literally, I think it's like two notes and then like one little trill and then another little trill. And we were like, that is like the best guitar solo mm-hmm. of all time. You know, and we were kind of coming off the idea of hair metal and the excess and the speed and like the sort of, um, you know, up on a pedestal virtuosity that was being really like dick thumped mm-hmm. by that entire scene. And to see this guitar solo or to hear this guitar solo rather, that was just, it was all vibe. Totally. That, and I just remember like we were both. Like, I, you know, I don't, um, I just know that that was a huge moment for both of us in terms of how we would approach playing, how we would approach writing, how we would approach singing, um, everything. It, we, like, we were both like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. That, like, if it's fucking good, it doesn't have to be Yeah, much. I will never forget the first time I saw the hey hey my my video uh neil young playing that live and just watching those solos which just one note just hitting it as hard as he could and it's like that's all you got to do is just find it and and how to play it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know the thing and that's that's not to take away from like very um intricate guitar stuff at all it's just um for like the sort of um, what's the word viseria is that the is that the word of of like what I'm going for um, and what I think Chris and I were really mm-hmm. always like taken with um, that that stuff stood out a lot like I was I put on some like sort of like French jazz Spotify mm-hmm. playlist um, a few months ago just to like have something in the background and all of a sudden there's this guitar song and I'm like. And it is so unbelievably, like, Byzantine and complex. And and I'm like, this is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. What is this? <laughs> Buckethead. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am not trying to say, like, man, you know... It's those two sol- it's those two note solos from these fucking auto mechanics in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Those are the best solos. I I, I appreciate the entire <laughs> spectrum of the whole thing. Um but I was definitely surprised. Because uh, I had I had already and I'd already totally like thrown my hat in the ring. You know, I was like, uh-huh. This is amazing. You know, so there was no and I mean like I don't have that kind of like guilty pleasure yeah, yeah, yeah. affectation or whatever anyway it's like if i like something i like it i don't care but it was just kind of funny that it, it like it could have been limp biscuit and i probably would have felt mm-hmm. a little more hilarious about it but uh there's not too many things on the other side of Buckethead, well, you know didn't, didn't Buckethead <laughs> I mean, replace slash chicken... 
He did, and I absolutely know why. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a fucking great guitar player. I mean, it, just the whole fucking thing so is goofy as shit, you know? It's like... It's like fucking, what, kabuki mask, slash wig, bucket of chicken on his head. It's like, it's just so dorky, you know? I mean, it doesn't take away from him being a great player. And maybe there's like a fucking long con there that's so funny, like Kaufman-esque, you know, where he's like, what if I'm the best guitar player in the world and I wear a fucking Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket on my head and a kabuki mask and a fucking, like, slash wig. And I call myself Buckethead. Could I pull off having a career in music with just my virtuosity with a head this stupid looking? You know? Like, it's... it's it, Stranger things have been done on a goose. Yeah, it's true. The long con. You should have asked Tommy Stinson about this when, uh, when you played with him at uh, the G-Man. Yeah, Tommy Stinson. All I heard the next day was he went someplace else uh, to Mm -hmm. one of my friends' clubs or something. He was like, oh, I heard you played with Brendan from the Lawrence Arms last night. He's like, yeah, they tried (laughs) to kill me. And I was like, I don't remember it quite that way. But uh... (laughs) Well, we opened the show last week with Belly of the Whale. And since then, um, I've realized that, like, this is the song that I really, really want to talk about this week. You mentioned in a Brooklyn Vegan write-up that Skeleton Coast was Chris's suggestion for a name for the record, and that this is the song that kind of followed, and I think you referred to it as like your stamp of approval for the name and the concept of the record. Well, um, I, I don't mean to like mince or you know parse sentiment here, but what I think I said was, and if I didn't, what I meant was, this was me saying yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. all in on this. It wasn't like my my stamp of approval. For sure, like, for I, sure. Like yeah. I, it's, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, um, like uh, I, I, I suppose <laughs> what I learned from that Brooklyn Vegan article was that it was mm-hmm. uh, Chris's wife who actually suggested that this would be a great title for the record. And she was right. And, I mean, she's a very smart woman. Uh, and, you know, as soon as he said Skeleton Coast would be a cool, you know, title for the record, I was like, yes, I see so much. Like, my, like, marketing brain mm-hmm. went in. I was like, I could see, like, you know, not to, not to make it, like, crass or, like, commercial or anything like that, but... My point is not like, oh, yeah, we're going to sell all this stuff. I was just thinking, like, it would be so cool to be able to make, like, greetings from the Skeleton Coast Mm -hmm. postcards, you know, or even, like, beach towels or fucking, you know, swimsuits or whatever. And, like, not to sell necessarily. It's just, like, collateral as part of, like, being around the record. And just, like, the fact that the title was so evocative Mm -hmm. of of thought, you know, and and of, of creative thought. And it was just like, I was like immediately inspired. I was like, yes, I, I love this idea. Like the, this, there's so much here. And so um, with that having been said, you know, I was like, well, I should probably, you know, I should probably put my head against a song that maybe is, you know, if I, if I can think of all these like goofy ideas for stuff to give away, mm-hmm. um, uh, <laughs> you know, around yeah. the record probably I could write a song. And so that, this was the song that came out of that. And it was like, 
yeah, and it was the idea of like sort of like living on a skeleton coast. And I wanted to do as well because you know Chris Chris casually mentions driving the highway of the skeleton coast in um mm-hmm. in Ghost Rider, which is where it first appeared in like sort of the um the, the chronology of of the record um being developed and uh and but it's not really about i mean it's all about the skeleton coast but it's not like specifically there's a lot more going on in that song than like mm-hmm. geography yeah right um and and so i was like okay chris will name you know he will name check this i should probably write a song that's about this that never mm-hmm. mentions it you know like just as part of that sort of like duality i mean that was sort of like the exercise that i was going for it was like can i can i evoke the idea of this like skeleton coast place without ever yeah. saying those words i really like that you know really like that um uh the song itself it's got such an interesting structure um just because it's like it's almost got two choruses cuz i feel like that got to go back part when it comes in it's it's like the song like hangs there for a little bit it's like there's this really really nice like percussive melody to those two lines and then you kind of keep going there before you go on into uh, like the repeating of Belly of the, of the Whale with the Candle and Pen. Well, there's also the solo and the bridge right, between right. those things. Because it, it, do, it doesn't do that till the very end. But like the um, – I mean I suppose – that if I were like a more disingenuous um, interviewee, I would say the whole thing is like reminiscent of like sort of like the ebb and flow mm-hmm. of a tide and an ocean where it, like it builds and it recedes and it builds and recedes. But the idea was really to try to just capture like the sort of bounce of like a what would Quince and Topple Your Money look like if it was written by somebody that lived among a bunch of skeletons oh, and shit like that? <laughs> you know, like that was sort of the idea. Like, it, it, like there, there was not a lot of like formalistic thought going into it beyond mm-hmm. that. You know, it's the same song. It's about your hometown and the insecurities of how it can change. And um, it, it, I mean, it's. I mean, the vibe is the same, you know, but um, just sort of a more like that was uh, me, you know, 19 Mm -hmm. years ago. This is me now, you know, or whatever. (laughs) That's such a well, it's a wild point, because even though we talked about Quinslin Tuple Your Money, I feel I still feel like there's so much left to say about it but that song has a million parts that could function as a chorus though there is no chorus right right yeah and and so that was very much sort of on my mind with this it was just like this sort of and and, and i mean and i mean i mean that in a very zone defense sort of way i wasn't like i wasn't going like 
I wasn't going like A being songs <coughs> or anything. It was just like let's let's do something let's do something like that, but from a different perspective about a different place. And, you know, let's try to give it that same bounce and that same sort of vigor or whatever. And um, a lot of that does have everything to do with bombastic parts Mm -hmm. in our choruses. But this just comes on the other side of me writing hooks. Yeah, totally. You know, so the hook is There's a lot of that on this record, I feel like. You know, you... you, um... On uh, on how to rot, there's like five different parts. No chorus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that song is ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, playing that one for Buck Foley, um, who's a friend who he he does Riot Fest. He's one of the mm-hmm. main Riot Fest people. And um, and he was like, "Wait, I thought that was the chorus. What's this? <laughs> you know?" And, and I mean, but that's that song is just like sort of all build, and it's like just like frenetic. Um, that's uh, that's chaos theory mm-hmm. in, in that song, you know. Like, um, and it's, I mean, lo- loosely, it's about the idea of like a bunch of disparate concepts trying to come together and and that it you you turn out fucking like spoil spoiling mm-hmm. the stew or whatever with 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 too many different things and you know that which is funny because man do some people hate that fucking yeah. outcast part on yeah. there they're like that alvin and the they're like that alvin and the chipmunk shit sucks it's like that's not alvin and the chipmunks i mean listen to that fucking flange pedal uh-huh. listen to that bass line that is like pure outcast but i mean i'm not trying to take a risk and then go back and explain why i took a risk and yeah some people don't like it you know what i mean it's kind of like when people are like it's so tragic he died climbing mount everest it's like no that's not tragic at all um you don't get to um do something that's called death defying uh, and and then die and have it be you know like you paid a hundred thousand dollars so you could come back and be like I defied death and it's like well nope you died uh, you paid money basically for that I like I don't find your death tragic at all mm-hmm. um, you know like it's like it, it's skydiving it's the same thing and I mean like uh, it, but would it absolutely suck if somebody I love's parachute didn't open. Absolutely. I would be very sad, but I could not call that a tragic death. It's like, you don't, you know, it's like, oh man, it was so unfair. I stuck my hand right into a crocodile's mouth and it bit (laughs) off my arm. It's like, no, you know what? (laughs) That's kind of in the documents when you decide to do that. It's like arm probably will get bit off. Uh, That's like right at the top. Uh, That's why you did it. Because you thought you were better than the crocodile. You thought you were better than the mountain. You thought you were better than gravity. Um, you know? And, and so, like, I, f- I feel like, yeah, you know, I wanted to do fucking outcast part. Um, and uh, uh, there's been also a, po- a very positive yeah. response to that part as well. But, like, it, it's, it's just like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, 
Oh no, this is why you have to like it. It's like mm-hmm. I took I took a risk there. That's that's what happens when you take risks. Like sometimes sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And this one just happens to have done both somehow. I uh, feel like <laughs> my reaction to it is probably common to a, a lot of people who are on the positive side where it's like, "Oh, but like I just laughed. I thought that that was so funny." And it was just like, "This is going to upset people." And it's a vocal effect. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, like, it was funny because Matt Allison was like, um, when we did it, he, like, he sent the mix. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, all the way up. I'm like, crank this as fuck. I'm like, I'm like, this sounds normal. I don't want it to sound normal. I want it to sound like fucking outcast. I want it to sound like Kendrick. You know, I want that. I want that like mm-hmm. kind of like fucking thing that is like so deeply a part of some of the more like psychedelic hip hop stuff mm-hmm. that's a huge influence on us, you know? And and it, it's like, yeah, coming out of white guys, it's more like Alvin the Chipmunks maybe to some people, but it like the the, the sonic tonality of it and the intentionality of it mm-hmm. are very pure. You know, um, and, and, uh, I mean, I listen, I, it's not like I would go back and change that shit if I could, you know, like if I, if, if, they, if somebody like screeched up a DeLorean behind me right now and was like, you want to go change that part and how to ride? I'd be like, get fucked, man. That's exactly what I wanted it to be. You know, <laughs> like, so, um, and I, and you know, it's, what's cool is like when I was singing the vocal, like the lead vocal of that song. And it's like right before it goes into that part. And I go, and we sing like this. And that mm-hmm. was like just kind of an ad lib. And then Hennessy like calls me over and he's like, you go and we sing like this. I said, yeah. And he goes, so for the second one, it should be the response. It should be a group of people. It should be like somebody teaching the group of uh-huh. people how to sing the part. And I was like, oh, Yes. Heavens, yes. This is a great <laughs> This is a terrific idea. And so you get that kind of like dead milkman, like, gonna brown uh-huh. You know, like, kind of like, weird, like, you think it'd be on, but it'd be the sea. It's like, it, it's just like that kind of like dead-eyed, mm-hmm. like, church chant shit. Like, I think it's so, I think it's so great. But I mean, like. You know, I guess this is the part of art that I create just for yeah. myself or whatever. <laughs> but, but, like, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked with how that entire song turned out, to be honest, because um, I wrote 11 songs mm-hmm. for this record, right? Chris wrote seven. Um, at a certain point, it was like, we don't have time to record all these fucking songs. You're going to have to pick the ones you want to do. And I was... I I had a lot that I thought were pretty cool that I didn't know how to let go of, I guess, mm-hmm. for for a second. And and it it was like I mean it was my own it was my own thing, like uh, you know, to deal with. But um even as we started laying down like drum tracks I had, I had decided on these seven, right? And and I wasn't sure that I'd made the right choices. Mm-hmm. And particularly with How to Rot and Pigeons mm-hmm. and Spies, 
I was not sure that these were the right choices to keep on the record. And um, at one point, it was like, well, these are the songs that are left uh, in this key because, like, Neil tunes the mm-hmm. snare to a certain key, you know? Um, and um, and then they are both like, well, fucking How to Rot, obviously. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Okay. Okay. So this this is this is a song that we all like. Okay. Good. Because <laughs> it is just a uh-huh. it's just a weird one, you know. I mean, the fucking end of it is a goddamn drill tweet. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a drill tweet. How? How? What? What? Yeah. How? Um, the drill tweet. I am going to mangle it but it's something along the lines of if if these zookeepers tell me to stop hollering at the animals one more time i'll face god and walk backwards straight into hell it's fucking awesome (laughs) right and like i saw that and i was like that's funny i love drill yeah it is also remarkably uh-huh. badass. It's like a remarkably badass statement couched in a joke about yeah. hollering at the zoo animals. <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, and, and I mean, isn't that, is there a more succinct summation of like what this band is about? Like, like trying to like pick the gold nuggets out of the turds or whatever. It's like, it, I don't know. Like, which, by the way, I think that tweet's probably been liked more times than this album's been listened to. So, if the zoo bans me for hollering but, at the animals, I will face God and walk backwards into hell. It is, in fact, cited on Genius for this song, which I love. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. That's Surprised, great. Uh, there's That's no great. nihilist Arby's uh, citations, but I mean that would be totally random. That's a really good Twitter too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, also it's great. I love that though. Like the, I love purposefully poking the bear, like knowing that you're going to do something that's going to annoy people. So then you turn the volume up. Kind of like, right? Well, I didn't think of this as being something that would be. Um, I I don't know how to say this the right way. I wasn't trying to bum anybody out with this. I felt mm-hmm. like it was the, what the song needed. That was what I that's what I wanted to do. I wanted it to go like because here's the thing. I wanted it to go from that naked ray gun kind of mm-hmm. staccato guitar thing. Uh, well, I mean, the beginning, you know, Chris added that fucking kickstart my heart, yeah. Motley Crue, like so sick right at the beginning, and I was like. I was like, that is Mm -hmm. some good shit right there. You know, I mean, we were all just like in tears laughing about that. Um, And then, you know, and and I just I just wanted to have that bounce when it started that like clickety clack kind of, um, you know, just real punk rocky sort of feel and then go into that naked ray gun part and then break into like this huge soaring thing. And after that, sort of, I almost see it as like, 
this is really pretentious, and I don't believe that I just like eschewed the pretension of belly of the whale in order to just come back and say mm-hmm. this, which is even more pretentious. But it's like, but in this case, it really is kind of true that you are not, you are not, you are not part is like a very choppy sea, like sort of almost getting out of harbor, and then you know you look at the sails that is seeing like the armada mm-hmm. before you or whatever just being like destroyed by the uh the the marine mm-hmm. life or whatever you know the mightiest mm-hmm. vessel is no match for the whales right and uh and then they come home to the fucking sailor bar and that's what's going on in the sailor bar right they're telling jokes you think it'd be r would it be the c that's the that's the punchline of the joke right um and then it goes to Brandy. Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. Who's the waitress in the fucking sailor bar? That's what mm-hmm. that is a reference to. You know? And that's the kind of music that I felt yeah. like would be playing in there. Y- you know? This like sort of like old, like fucking flangy disco. And then I just wanted to mm-hmm. outcast it up a little bit. You know? Um, so, but yeah. I mean, that was all really very intentional, that. actually. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, I feel like kind of a dork saying that. That's just structural stuff that doesn't have as much to do with, you know, the lyrical mm-hmm. content or whatever. But um, from a structural perspective, if I'm going to sing Brandy, it's going to be in a fucking dark bar with like a candle and a Chianti bottle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean? feel like your vocal performance on that line in particular is out as uh method as anything that you've done it's just a perfect like hey brandy (laughs) swaying yeah well i mean i do unapologetically love that so what's what's the song because i um, think that that reference might be lost on people the song is called brandy you're fine girl um by a group mm-hmm. called Looking Glass, and um, it's like a kind of. It's one of those songs that I my every instinct is that it came out in the seventies, but I bet it came out mm-hmm. in like nineteen eighty one, um, and it's just this sort of like cheese dick yacht rock kind of like just very post disco mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. song basically i mean it's yeah. a, it's it's a it's a fucking song you know like um and it's hilarious and also i mean i never actually had this crazy moment but a lot of people have when you when you listen to this song and then you see the guy that sings it he looked to me like how i thought he would look but without mm-hmm. giving anything away Listen to the song, then look up the video second and see what happens. Because a lot of people are very, very surprised. So it's not like Barry White, where it's like, oh, that man is Barry White. The first part where you listen to the song is a lot like Barry White. The second part where you see who's singing it is not like Barry White. So it's more of a Rick Astley sort of thing. Like, that guy? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like, it's got a real Rick Astley kind of quality to it. Um, 
But yeah, th- this is a song that is like, um, it's like a it's like a cheese dick fuck pop song, but it's one of those ones that we all really love. And I mean, like, I don't love it as a goof. Mm. I I don't like I. Dude, if I was driving in my car and it came on, I would fucking turn mm-hmm. it up. You know, if uh, if if I was driving in my if I was driving in my car with my potential new employer, somebody I wanted to impress, and it came on, I would turn uh-huh. it up. You know, like I'm I'm not ashamed yeah. of loving Brandy. Like Brandy is a great song. Like it's 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 really truly a cool one, and it. Makes two appearances on this record, actually. Um, in, in Don't Look at Me, the last line of that song is, Cause my life, my love, mm-hmm. and my lady is the sea. Right? Um, which is, that's that's the whole chorus. Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. But my life, mm-hmm. my love, and my lady is the sea. And it's, so it's evenly divided. Uh, I love it. Between, um, yeah. I really got a lot of enjoyment out of uh, you think it be R, but it be the C, and the uh, context with which that joke was presented to me. Um, I know we don't talk about your kids very much on this show, but I I love that story. If you want to tell it, oh yeah. So so the joke is, um, we'll just. Do it. You you play the you mm-hmm. play the part of the the rube. I'll play the part of the the joke teller. Right. The joke is, um, what's pirate's favorite? Well, it have to be R. You think it be R, but it be the C, right? And um, and oh, by the way, if you've got like nephews or nieces or whatever, or you get friends with kids, this joke is a big hit with kids. It, it's actually mm-hmm. a pretty great joke, I think, uh, in general. I have ruined it with this album by putting the punchline into a song, which is kind of fucking asshole move now that I think about it. But um, it, it really is great. And I heard it. I don't even remember where I fucking heard it. But, um, you know, my daughter is very. She's fucking out of her mind, man. Uh, I, I actually will tell. Uh, when I was when, when she was four. I was like, hey, you know, I'm leaving today. And she's like, yes. And I was like, do you know where I'm going? She's like, Australia. I was like, I'll be gone for two weeks. I don't want you to get any bigger while I'm gone. She said, well, I have to get bigger, Daddy. And I said, why? And she goes, I have to get bigger so I can get old and die. Otherwise, (laughs) I'll just be the last person standing. (laughs) Um, That's what she was for. She's just got a very different kind of mind than uh i think the rest of most people um and when i told her this joke i was very excited i was like hey what's pirate's favorite letter she's like c the c i was like oh shit (laughs) Uh, i don't think you're supposed to what the fuck i'm like you you don't know about like r she's like no Uh pirates love the c I was like, oh, goodness. Well, that was a fun little experiment into humor. Uh. <laughs> I love that. I That's like just the fucking way uh, their minds can work. 
amazes me. Dude, I don't know what's going on in my life right now, but like, what the I don't want you to get any bigger while I'm gone just like knocked me over. And I was watching a fucking episode of The Wonder Years last night where a, a teacher like did something nice for Kevin Arnold and I fucking lost it. I'm like getting sappy. But only related to uh, adults talking to children. Yeah, well, you know, it has always been your dream That's to have a family. True. <laughs> that, is, that is what the High yeah. Life guy told me. Huh. Um, but, you know, I mean, listen, there's, I, there's a biological imperative that exists, and I don't think that it, like, starts and ends with yeah. fucking... You know, and like, and, and, uh, I think that's, that's a very, um, real thing. And it is like, there is nothing, uh, um, and I, I don't want to fucking bum out you or anybody, but it's like, I love my kids. My kids are now 10 and 12, but I miss the little people that they used to be so much every day. Like, you know, and it's just like, and I know I'll miss these ones too. And it's, that's, that's the craziest thing is like, you can never fucking enjoy it because it's just slipping away so fast it's it's a i mean there's there's a lot that could be said on that i bet somebody said a lot someone somewhere at some point yeah in human history yeah i bet people have commented on this i i don't i don't know but i'm too lazy to look it up but i'm sure somebody's done something about the um the fleeting the fleeting nature of youth, raising children, mm-hmm. life, um, and you know how how you're you kind of sell a part of your soul in order to give someone else a soul that will someday tell you to go fuck yourself. Uh, Maybe I don't <laughs> you know. know. That seems a little. I don't know how universal that is. Is the thing, you know? I just don't know if too many people are going to be able to relate to that personally. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. This is yeah, this is this is some niche shit. Let's get back to talking about brandy in Lawrence. Uh, um, I, I that Brooklyn Vegan article also like really tipped me off to uh, listening to the Dead Man's Coat baseline. Um, it's just something that I kind of always forget about at times. Is like taken taken a, a, a listen just to the bass and that is a bouncy one that you got there yeah that would you know what's funny is because chris's guitar part there is so mm-hmm. strange right it, it like it's really ambient and it like pokes mm-hmm. through at times but it's not like it's not something you kind of like play yeah. to, right? Like it, it's, it's a, uh, like, it's like a lace tablecloth that you put on the top mm-hmm. of things once it's done, almost, you know. Um, and like, and I was like, there was a song I really liked in the demo process, and. And I was just like, I want to do something like this. And I just, Neil kind of loves like, click, 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 click. And then I just 
did that. And that was the baseline. It was like, mm. I didn't write it at all. It was just the, the very first thing that came to my mind and it just happened to work. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's one I really, I really do like the, there's a couple songs on this that I feel particularly good about the, the bass playing on, but, uh, yeah, that baseline I really think is is cool, and I think it wasn't intended to be as much of a um, sort of showpiece as I think it kind of maybe is. Like I I wasn't trying to like show out and have like the mm-hmm. part you could like you know kind of nod your head to at that point. But Chris just did such a like, sort of like weirdly innovative guitar work there that I'm really glad that I had something that. Yeah. Was there like that? He, the way you he know? fills space is so interesting, understated at times, but you know, it's it's funny having um experiences with songs like Quins and Double Your Money where the bass line is so prominent, and then you realize that Chris is just playing these chords that sound like they're so enormous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he uh well, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, and like this, uh, yeah. I mean, there's the one thing that I think that is the one thing that I think we've sort of largely mm-hmm. abandoned is those big those big thick walls of chords, um, and that was by we talked about this when we did Metropole. It was sort of by Chris's design. He was like, you know what? I don't want to play as much as like. The way you think of like a mm-hmm. punk rock guitar player playing, I think it gets bigger if you pick your moments. And he was like, "That's all I'm trying to do." Is I'm tr- I mean, this is like a mantra. Mm-hmm. Try to pick my moments, man. I'm just trying to pick my moments, you know. And um, and it really, yeah, I mean, it's be- it's become like a sort of later integral part of like what mm-hmm. the Lawrence Arms now sounds like, right? Um, and and I think it, I think it's really cool and uh, like. I mean, he's always been a great guitar player, but now that, like, you know, I mean, he's using his 30 years of doing this and still, like, adjusting the style as opposed to, like, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of bands that are like, oh, let's make this bigger, another Mm -hmm. guitar, another guitar, another guitar. Whereas Chris is like, how about this? Ding! Yeah. And it's like a single note, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's so much bigger. And it's it's great. It's great. It's so cool. Um, yeah. I mean, between him and Neil and my amazing bass line, uh, great but, band. But apparently Ghost Rider <laughs> was a little too amazing. Uh, well, no, I, I'd had that bass line written. And when when I was playing it, there's this thing where like uh Hennessy and Matt Allison are both like very um they're very into specific tonality and things mm-hmm. like Matt I mean they're mechanics, mm-hmm. you know, at, at at the end of the day. Like like and and uh was not to take away from their artistry, but I'm just saying they also in addition to that are mechanics. And I had written this baseline and I'm under the distinct impression that if you could play a guitar solo in a key, you could play whatever you, mm-hmm. you want on the bass as well, right? Like it's it's 
basically the same thing. And they're like, no, no, no. But it goes to the G here and then the E. I'm like, I know, but I don't care. These notes are all in the key. And they're like, no, no. And it it was like a point of extreme frustration for me in the studio where I was like, uh, yo, I think this works. But Chris was gone because he'd just done guitar mm-hmm. parts or something, you know. And, and also, uh, like... You don't chime in against the Twin Towers. Uh, fucking. <laughs> the, I, I shouldn't say the Twin Towers. Those get taken down all the time. I should. I meant the Two Towers. Uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, I meant the Two I thought, Towers I was talking about. You know. So are we talking about Abracadaver here or are we talking about Ghost Rider? <laughs> Oh yeah, we're talking about Ghost Rider, but but like they're they're you know they're both coming at me and just being like, no, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And I'm like, I think it sounds right, and so they like made me change it, but then I like insisted mm-hmm. on changing it in another way because I was like, you're not like you're not writing my baseline. Okay, fine, I will acquiesce to what you want to do, but so it, it was just like a little bit of a you know thing. But I mean, I'm really happy with how it turned out. They're Probably against. <sighs> probably they were right. Probably it's better now. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, it's funny um, that you referred to them as mechanics because you had another uh, mechanic that you mentioned uh, to Brooklyn Vegan who hit you up saying that he loved that bass line. That was Dan. Oh, Dan. Yeah. Um, yeah. He. I said Dan. The record really not before me on, though, right? And, um, Dan, good. No, no, not before you. No, no. Dan from the Alkaline Trio, and he. One of the first things he said was, "He's like, yeah, some of these bass lines are great." I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. stop!" Like, you know, Dan's like such a great bass player. He's like, "No, this Ghost Rider bass line this is some next level shit." I believe he said <laughs> it for you, <laughs> which was kind. <laughs> Um, kind, yeah. kind and also a little yeah. like way to go buddy pat on the head <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> really good try yeah that um I don't know if I've said this on this podcast before but that is the best insult um whenever anybody comes at you with uh-huh. an insult or anything like that or if you just want to motherfuck somebody for you know their band or their their comedy show what anything that they do and you say really good try uh (laughs) nothing will take the wind out of a human being's sails faster than really good try it is the meanest thing you can say to someone (laughs) always loved in uh playing little league being told good eye when i didn't swing at a pitch oh thank you (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think good eye is, or, yeah, that's one of the most yelled things by parents. <laughs> good eye. Or, um, where to hustle. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are very high on the list of things that parents So yell. we had a conversation over on Patreon. Uh, that would be patreon.com slash better sandwich, um, where we discussed your 
the influence of the Beastie Boys, and I'm reading about the influence that MCA had on Pigeons and Spies. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, well, I mean, the actually the, the song, a friend of mine sent me a photograph, and it was a picture of a statue. I can't remember the context at all, but it was the, the pigeon was just like mm-hmm. looking right at the camera, and the text said, mm-hmm. "Pigeons are spies." And and I was like, I'm not even finishing this conversation. Uh-huh. I have a song to write, you know, and uh, and and so that was like that was like the uh-huh. inspiration for the song was just that 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 photo and that and that text and and uh, and then when it got to that part in the middle, I mean, the whole thing. The whole idea is like sort of unfolded very much like when we talk about how the Lawrence Arms works with like, you know, Chris will send me something or I'll send him something uh-huh. and that'll inform the next thing that gets sent back and that'll inform the next thing that gets sent back. So I read, you're the pigeon, I am the spy. All we have in common is that we're both high. I mean, that's just like sort of like you could see that as like a throwaway line that goes nowhere, right? But all of a sudden it like opened up like this whole thing to me that was like, oh, there's, like, this dichotomous fucking situation that, like, I can really, like, exploit. And, and like, and then all of a sudden, it just made me think of sort of Adam Yock and the Beastie Boys and the way that they would just sort of rap about, mm-hmm. like, anything and everything, right? And just, like, throw it all into the blender, mm-hmm. and which is something that we do also, you know? And it's, it's very much, um, I think more of an unconscious influence than mm-hmm. anything most of the time. But with this song, it was very conscious. And then I started thinking about um, Immortal Technique um, yeah. because I was thinking about, like, hip-hop artists that will sing about absolutely anything. And then that song, Point of No Return by Immortal Technique, which is about, like, mm-hmm. literally everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and, and so that's why the next line is about, like, dinosaurs and shit because I was like, yeah, let's let's, let's do it. Let's go full Beastie Boys Immortal Technique. We're going dinosaurs. We're going fucking drone bombers. You know, we're going Jerry Sandusky yeah. in the locker room. Like fucking we're go- we're going we're going all the way here. You know, and then when it came to that bridge part, it wasn't written to have that sort of cadence. Um lyrically. Uh-huh. I'd do my lyrics first, you know, and but when I was started like putting it down to the music all of a sudden i was like oh this is like this can have that like beastie boys kind of like thump Mm -hmm. to it that stomp that the beastie boys kind of do and once it like sort of solidified um when we were in the studio i was like i want to sing this as much like in like a mca impersonation as i can without like getting away from like mm-hmm. my actual voice. So if you hear like the line was like cover my soul and cover my eyes, that cover my eyes is like very much me impersonating yeah. MCA. And then it's already died. Like that, that's again, you know, and then I have to go up into the high register. So, but th- those, those two after the back and forth stuff, are like me like straight up 
Um, tell me about the, um, I guess the way that that, uh, that bridge part developed because it, to me, it's just an unbelievable vocal performance. And that, that when you describe Chris channeling something, like, I feel like you channeled something really, really incredible on that particular part oh thanks man i i don't know i mean it's just it's just another part that i wrote and it just like it had a lot of words and i had to make it fit with this thing and then i wanted to make it break out and then again it kind of had that that bounce and like in terms of the performance those were just the notes that Mm -hmm. had to be hit you know like i I never like gave it any thought as to like, oh, I'm really doing right, something right. here, or like, oh man, I'm I'm really I'm really like um, testing the the limits of my range or my, um, you know, what people think I'm capable of or anything like that. And I, I still don't know that I hear it that way. What I did think was this might be too stupid to show anyone. Hmm. Um, like it seemed to me like it was so disjointed um that it I was like either this completely fucking works or this mm-hmm. totally fucking sucks and I cannot tell but I had enough fun like writing the song that I was like uh I mean I'm I I was, I was like I think even when I sent it to Chris I was like I know mm-hmm. the bridge parts a little weird um and I know I just said I never do stuff like right. that, but uh, um, but it wasn't like I, I think it was more uh, not like not like. But wait till we get to the studio. It was more like I don't know. Yeah. Like if if you've got like a critique of this, I hear you. You know, um, and you know I think this this is um, a chance that paid off, sort of. Yeah. What did Chris say in response well. to it when you first sent it? I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I, you know, um, there's the only thing I really remember was when I sent him demon, he wrote me back and he was like, you all right, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, but, uh, but with this one, with this one, I don't, I don't recall. I think it was just like, you know, just sort mm-hmm. of like a, yeah, it's dope, cool. You know, like, uh, it's, um, we, we, we don't do a whole ton of like super right. big feedback. If the yeah, yeah, yeah. Work. It sounds like your perspective on like, does this work you know? is, is sort of like, are you, it, are you following this? It feels like it's, it's separate right. enough from everything that preceded it that, it's kind of you're uncertain if like your train of thought is clear enough when it's mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly i think i think that's that's a good way to put it and and uh it does kind of go from a very very esoteric like theoretical thing and then it just like funnels into a very very mm-hmm. specific thing really hard really fast i mean it's almost like um like some sort of 
water park ride where you're mm-hmm. like going through like some sort of lazy river and then all of a sudden you get shot down a tube and you end up in like this one very specific place you know um and it's uh i don't know i mean i i uh i, I like that about this song i think it worked out well I, I think that what what i really like about this song is the way that the second chorus is the exact mm-hmm. same words as the first chorus but it means mm-hmm. a totally different thing yeah you know i think that that i i think that like the effect of the the way you sing that bridge part it might just be like hitting those notes which feel very high in your register it's like you have to project to get all the way up there is that is that right that's what it feels like the, like the the urgency is almost like you have to put so much into your voice to like get that high this song is an e which also mm-hmm. how to rot is an e and that's a that's a key where i sing in like sort of like mm-hmm. where i can go very very high right it's not necessarily hard mm-hmm. for me to do but it definitely pushes my voice to kind of a different kind of place right and um and so that's like, like in How to Out, when it's like, look mm-hmm. at the sails, you know, whatever. Which, yeah. That was a really good version. Should have put um, that one on. <clears throat> it's no, no, uh-huh. no studio magic in here. Um, but, uh, you know, or or those parts, I never had nothing inside. I never had nothing inside. Right? That, and that, like that stuff is, it's very high, but it's, again, it's like sort of in the, my comfort yeah. zone in that key. But that's like one of those things that, um, you know, that we've fucking learned. Uh, it's like, I'm like, oh, if I want something that's got to sound high and urgent, I have to write an E. If I want something that I can like draw through, mm-hmm. it's got to be kind of in C, right? Uh, you know, and I think, I think every one of Chris's songs on this record is in G. Oh, no, no, Ghost Rider's not. But, you know, there is a big advantage to not just like sitting down at the fretboard and just haphazardly picking. Yeah, where you start. totally. I mean, I, I go back <laughs> to know. what you mentioned about turnstiles is that he doesn't write too many songs in D anymore. Even when he's got even when he's got the better yeah. vocal performance, it's a tough one. Yeah, totally. It's it's like you know you gotta. I mean, it's the fucking same as anything. It's like, oh, I fucking, you know, I hate this gym. Uh-huh. It's no fun to work out here. I fucking hate this room. It's no fun to play a show in here. I hate this key. It's no mm-hmm. fun to sing in. You know, like, it's it's the same thing. You know, like, the, and we have the choice. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, huh. Why did I pick a key I can't sing mm-hmm. in when I could pick literally anything? This song didn't exist before yeah. we made it. Um, and not to so. like, you know, ask like what it all means, but the bridge part, the way that it comes in, um, were you like, what kind of thought went into, all right, now this is going to 
almost tell a story about the person that's singing the song? Well, I think the idea behind it is like, okay, so obviously the end of that verse is like a very tense mm-hmm. building of anger between like mm-hmm. at least two two people, right? And then that the, the the bridge is like sort of that explosion, right? And what's the result that comes out of like kicking someone's ass or getting mm-hmm. your ass kicked is like long term psychological yeah, damage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like either either one either way, it's like yeah, you know you know what this is going to do for both of us. We're both going to get very fucking angry. We're both going to get old. We're both going to die. We're both going to be, be alcoholics. You know, we're, we're fucking yeah. like this. Yeah. This, is this the moment you want to have with me? We're actually a lot more like than you think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> starting now. Oh, right. <laughs> like, is it, is it Dionysus? The, 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 like, the concept of like you know that that balance that exists in the in the universe of of love and and hate and you know these these two things that oppose each other need each other right is that it yeah well well the, the love love and right. hate are almost exactly the same thing if, do you feel that passionately mm-hmm. about somebody? Th- those those emotions mm-hmm. are close, you know, to make you cry, to keep you up all night. Um, you know, you can feel a perverse sense of joy when something mm-hmm. happens or whatever. Like, you know, they're very, very similar emotions, visceral emotions, right? Maybe the two most mm-hmm. visceral emotions. I mean, certainly. Um, with something like this, I feel like it's like when there's like an interpersonal, um, conflict like this, and this is obviously sort of, I shouldn't say obviously in my mind, it's sort of adolescently, um, Mm -hmm. it's an adolescent setting, right? When I say locker room, I don't mean like the locker room at the Mm -hmm. fucking YMCA or whatever. I mean... Like, you know, mm-hmm. high school, middle school locker room, right? This human interaction of one person kicking another person's ass based on their, like, perceived identity, whether, no matter how accurate that is or is not, um, creates a third thing. And that third thing is that day. Yeah, right. Right? Like, and, and, and that day lives mm-hmm. with both of those people. And so they can be on opposite sides of something, but they both exist with that memory, you know, and they both exist with that um, experience. And I think it's it's not so much that it's like these two opposite things, it both turns out the same way. It's like, you know, these two parts come together to make a third thing. And the experience of this third thing goes one direction Mm -hmm. you know like it's not that you could do opposite things and get to the same place it's that if you're a part Mm -hmm. of this shared experience 
yeah. this is what fucking happens. Yeah, I yeah, I like that a lot. It's just so funny because I I feel like there's like that that movement into like angry and and old and someday will die. It's like the like take me to the bathroom when I start to cry is just it, it evokes so much because you know I I feel like it it it's equally like it could be directed to um you know the person who's who's doing the bullying and then also to the you know like the companion of of that person like later on I don't know it's just like it's one of those things that makes me think of so many different things and i think that that's just a a magical magical little bit about art and music yeah i mean that's terrific because uh that's sort of the idea right it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be evocative more than anything like any like sort of like personal experience i have or intentionality i would hate to ruin whatever anybody Mm -hmm. takes away from any of these songs with that you know, but yeah. So um, great. I also here. love that uh, the vocals really don't go up in the mix. It doesn't feel like those guitars really swell, but the vocals don't like come up to stay over them. So that that urgency is really like maintained because it's almost like you have to scream over the guitars now. Yeah, I mean, I I really like the way this whole song came together mix wise. I mean, in terms of just like the, the real little stuff that Chris is doing in the verses to this, like sort of like weird swell and the way, and the way Mm -hmm. our voices are mixed together here too. I mean, that's Chris in the back screaming. And we told him when he was like, I can't do this shit. And we were like, no MCA, MCA, just be MCA in there. And so that's him. And I mean, I think he actually ends up sounding a little more like a young Kevin seconds than MCA, (laughs) but, uh, also a fucking dope r- reference, you know, like, like it's kind of got like more of like a, like young until I mm-hmm. die kind of sound to it, which you know, unintentionally, I think really aids what I think is the imagery of the song. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, Matt had a lot to deal with in this one um, and he handled it really well, uh, I guess is the best thing I could say about it. It's not like, it's not like I was like, yo, um, make sure that the guitar swirl and my vocals stay in the same place. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like I'm drowning, like, you know, but he fucking does what he's doing. So we took some questions from the car carrying members over a club sandwich. Oh, that would be the, uh, name that we give our, our heroes and hoagies over there, patreon.com slash better sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have this tendency to, whenever I come in with questions, I sort of end up asking them uh, like over the course of the interview anyway. So we did kind of cover some of these in certain effects. So let me modify them slightly for the uh, purposes that we have here. Mark uh, had a question about Skeleton Coast itself, which is in... Namibia? Nambia. Nambia? Um, so, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I'm wrong. I don't know. I've never been. Never been. And, but you wrote a record about it? That was Mark. Mark was like, how... So you're going to write a record about the Skeleton Coast, and have you even have ever been there? It's kind of a rude question from Mark, but we, we still appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Um, 
the the title is just really evocative, and um, you know when when Chris Chris first uh, introduced it into the sort of lexiconography of this album with the first line of um, Ghost Rider, he says, "I drove the highways off a skeleton coast," mm-hmm. right? And what the skeleton coast itself is. Um, now I'm freaking out if it's Namibia or Nambia, no? <laughs> Namibia, maybe. Fuck, I don't know. That, it is. I, Nam- I am Namibia. It is Namibia. Great. I feel like I always just pass be- over the first eye. It's like a Berenstein yeah. Bear sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. No. As soon as you said it, I was like, "Well, that doesn't sound like what I've been saying," but that sounds like it might be right now that I think about the word. Anyway, um, so we cleared so that now up. We're talking about the specifics, Skeleton Coast. Uh, you know, um, the uh, uh, we this this is um, a place. A this is a concept loosely inspired by the 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 actual place, but in no way is this supposed to have any sort of uh, bearing on the actual geography. Um, that that is the, what you think of when you think of the Namibian skeleton coast, right? Um, that's yes. right. The Nib- Namibian, uh, uh, yes, that's uh, uh huh. We, I, I know, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, no, th- I mean, this, this is like this is a fictive world, and um, it's you know, it's like much in the same way that like the Matrix exists in a place that's got a lot of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. street names, but that's not Chicago at all. It's the Matrix. Right. Um, this is this is the Matrix. Kind of like how um, Metropole wasn't the hotel in Miami where season two of Jersey Shore takes place. No, it was. Oh, that's why. That's why you didn't get your free um, um, bag of uh, chlamydia with the uh, <laughs> with this uh, early vinyl release. <laughs> Um, questions about like a lot of the backup vocals, especially like the ahs that open the record. That's me. That's me doing a five part harmony. Um, uh, I, we were, we were putting that song together. Chris had that, he wrote that riff and I remember I was like, think you need that riff one more time here because uh-huh. he's playing he plays it twice and i was like i think you need to put it in the third verse and then i was like there's something missing at the end i'm like i would like this might be stupid can we try like a bad religion style ah harmony thing behind mm-hmm. it and they were like yeah dude go ahead get in there and i was like oh me, me? <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, sure, I'll try it. Um, and so I did it. And I mean, to be honest, I say five-part harmony. I think it's probably four because I remember I got to a certain point and Neil's like, that's the first one. Mm-hmm. You've already done that. <laughs> and I was like, no, I didn't. You got to be kidding me. And then he's like, play the first one. And it's exactly what I was doing. I was like, okay, well, you know, I don't know. (laughs) But I wanted it to be five. Well, I mean, you just hear five-part harmony. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, that's that's just a phrase that 
I don't, I don't, to be honest, it's never come under any scrutiny with me before. Like I hear something like that. I go, Oh, five part harmony. Mm -hmm. Right. That could be three. That could be three of my takes. I don't know. Um, well, last one, it's not really a question, but it it ties in very well with the idea of a five part harmony. Uh, our friend, uh, John Alex Simpson, uh, spent five hours of his, uh, LSD trip the other night just listening to Skeleton Coast. So uh, it seems like he had a great time, and I wanted to <laughs> share Sounds that with awesome. you. <laughs> That's rad. Good on you, dude. This is our podcast. Our... Yeah, man. It's called Road to the Skeleton Coast, and uh, we are just continuing to travel along that highway, uh, taking in this record each week and we still got ones to cover all of you are worried about us getting to oh calcutta it's gonna happen we're gonna get to gather up the chaps but for now we're kind of basking in the glory of this record skeleton coast album number seven uh from the lawrence arms my goodness this has been so fun um just you know, this started as something that we were doing in preparation for this record. I didn't expect it to continue onward the way that it has, but it is. And I look forward to these conversations every week. So do I, Tim. You hear that? You hear that, people? He looks forward to it, too. Goddamn right. <laughs> we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. Seven bucks a month. Look at that. Sevens. Lots of sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of sevens. Conversations with uh, people more fi- with Brendan and uh, people who are way cooler than me. Sam Russo was on. We just had Brian Fallon. Also, Chris Number Two from Anti Flag, Matt Allison, Tom May. T- Tons of party animals Dan over Andriano. there. Dan Andriano. Yeah, he's, he's cool too. Um, we invite you to join us over there on Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. We will be back on the normal feed next week and every week. So we'll see you then. Thanks, folks. Until then, keep watching the skis. Yeah.